Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With LuckyLandSlots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Stove Leg Media. Igniting conversation. Today's episode is brought to you by Fulton, a modern brand of arch support. Fulton launched the most comfortable, supportive, and sustainable insoles on the planet. Fulton insoles have a deep heel cup and comfortable arch support that aligns your body from head to toe. They're made using sustainable materials like vegan cactus leather and cork, which we love, allowing them to mold to the shape of your arch and provide customized support. They're also shock absorbing, reducing impact on the body, and are lined with natural foam to make them extra comfortable. I know that I have problems with my feet and like my arches, especially because I have super high arches. I am ordering a pair of Fulton insoles ASAP to put in my tennis shoes. I think this is the best idea. We love sustainable and we love alignment and arch support. Fulton is offering our listeners $10 off your next purchase at walkfulton.com by using the code POD10. That's code POD10 POD10 for $10 off at walk Fulton, F-U-L-T-O-N dot com. Check out the website now to see how Fulton can support you. Hey guys, what is going on? It's me, your host, Elena Grace, and you are listening to another episode of I've Been Thinking. Now, this is a special episode, okay? So first of all, as we all know, first of the month means a book club episode. So that's really cool. Um, but also really special is this weekend is the one year anniversary of I've Been Thinking. I am so proud to have been working on this project for the past year. I'm so proud of the progress that I've made, of the things that I've learned, all of those things. And I am just so happy to be here and to still be working on this. So... Join me in saying happy birthday that I've been thinking really quick. 
That was a happy birthday party blower sound. I pulled it off of YouTube. Okay, anyway, <laughs> I tried to do something fun. Um, so, like I said, this week is a book of the month. And I thought about not doing a book of the month this week, but from the beginning of creating this podcast, the the book club book of the month episodes were really important to me. So I decided it would be kind of disingenuous to not do it. Um, and I am really excited to share this one with you guys. I am going to be discussing Ernest Hemingway's The Old Man and the Sea. Now, you might be like, oh, I read that in high school or whatever. I don't want to read it again. Well, I didn't read it in high school. So, I had the pleasure of reading it as an adult. And that was pretty cool. And I'm a really big Hemingway fan. Um, a Movable Feast is absolutely one of my favorite books ever and it's if you don't know it's like a collection of uh, um Hemingway smaller works and some like autobiographical stuff that kind of thing that's really where I fell in love with him and this book is just incredible and so the first time I read it um I was on the plane it was let's see May 11th 2018 so how funny that I am doing it this week because it's been three years almost to the week that I read it it's the podcast birthday all of these things incredible how the universe works to bring these things together huh but I wrote in the back of it um above the pacific above the pacific ocean May 11th, 2018, between Okinawa and Tokyo. So that was the first time I ever read it, was between Oki and Tokyo on an airplane. How awesome. And I, I'll never forget, I don't think, that plane ride because I had this book with me. I had my journal with me. It had been just the most incredible, like, five days in Okinawa, um, and I actually pulled out my travel journal from Japan and I found my entry from this day, well actually from the next day, on May 12th, 2018. I said, yesterday morning was nice. We woke up and went in search of a little more adventure before leaving. We found ourselves climbing over and through rock formations to see tide pools and beautiful views of the ocean. We were going to go find that beautiful spot where you can walk between rocks to the beach, but it's privately owned, so we were going to trespass, but it's heavily fenced, so we couldn't. I don't know why that stopped us. That's rarely stopped us before. We had one last lunch of Okinawan soba in Naha, and then uh, got shuttled from the car rental place to the airport. 
I read The Old Man and the Sea while we waited and on the plane. I watched the ocean out the window a lot. And I swear I saw a school of dolphins below us. I still remember that school of dolphins. I it, I could see it from the point because we weren't like super high. We weren't 30,000 feet or anything. We were pretty low. And it, it was beautiful. I also saw some sunset. From the plane, the way the clouds look from above with sunset bouncing off is just magical, truly. The rest of the night was pretty average, just sleep. I was so inspired um, by that sunset that I came home and tried to paint it and I still have never gotten it quite right but I'm still working on it three years later I just started working on that painting again to try to make it fit kind of the um the vibe that that sunset gave me and the way it made me feel because it was just oh it was incredible to see a sunset from above the clouds in the sky beautiful anyway I heavily digress. Um, but I wanted to share that with you all because this book, I mean, like I said, I, it wasn't like a high school, middle school read for me. I read it in 2018. I was 22 years old. I was in Japan with my cousin and my friend, and I had flown there all alone. And this was like a really big deal for me. It was my mama Mia moment. And this book was, just an incredible addition to that. And, you know, it's funny, I guess, that it was such an important addition to that time in my life. The, this is the kind of book that you can read at different points of your life. And it brings you new, uh, more expansive meanings and you know, you read it once and it's one thing. You read it at another time. You find something else. Like I said, you have to read it multiple times. And what a beautiful time for me to have read it first, you know, during this really formative time of my life. So anyway, um, this is a novella, super short. I mean, I read it in a pretty short plane ride. Um, it is about an old Cuban fisherman, Santiago. He is kind of down on his luck. He has a young man who is kind of like his assistant, kind of like a grandson situation. His name's Manolin, and he loves the old man very, very much. And it is Santiago's last and greatest battle of his life with a giant marlin way out in the Gulf Stream. Now, this is, Hemingway says that this is a true story of a real man and a real fish. And literary critics have pointed to an earlier essay of his um, where this like old man travels far out to sea in a small boat and catches a giant fish and blah, blah, blah. 
as like the point that this novella came from. Um, so either way, you know, whatever. But this is also very allegorical. And that means that it's a narrative um, that where, where characters are more than just themselves or a character type. They're an archetype, which is a universal representation, um, which kind of comes from our collective consciousness of our ancestors and like the facts of human existence. So that's really cool. If you think about it, that we have this like collective consciousness. Anyway, um, I'm, I'll fangirl about that later. But if we think about it from this archetypical, allegorical perspective, Santiago is a mentor. Um, he's also like a spiritual guide or father. Um, and then he's also maybe old age. In the same sense, Manolin is the pupil to Santiago's mentor. He is the son or the boy of the old man or the spiritual guide. Um, or he's youth, you know. And like I said, Santiago is the fisherman. Manolin is like his apprentice, his helper, whatever. And they're both dedicated to fishing as a lifestyle. Um... And they see it as something that they were called to. And it's enriching not only the environment around them and the economy. And, you know, it's not just, like, important for these things. But it's also an important part of the whole of the world. You know, because somebody has to feed the people. And, you know, all, somebody has to fish the fish and all these things. So... As such, Santiago is the embodiment of their philosophy of, you know, fishermen are essential. Um, yeah, and in that way, he's like this really important, he plays a really important role in the natural world and order. And then with that, of course comes the inevitability of death and struggle and loss and, you know all of those things and you know he kills a fish maybe one day a fish will kill him you know he has to come to terms with that to live truly as a part of this natural order but he finds in himself the ability to endure this great struggle and achieve all of these things that, so that he can feel redeemed in his life, right? So, like I said, it is a very allegorical situation. And Santiago can very much be seen as an everyman, quote unquote, which is like the archetypical representation of the human condition, just like in a very general sense. Because his story could be anyone's story. It, he's going through struggle. He's experiencing these things. I mean, I'm inspiring myself to reread it again right now. Because I've gone through a hell of a year. A hell of struggles this year. And I'm like, you know, I want to read this again and be uplifted. Because his story is uplifting. It's sad. 
and it's heartbreaking, but it's inspirational. And I really think now that I am like going back through it, that I'm going to reread it like this week. (laughs) But it's just this very easy to read, but also easy to look over book, you know, because I think it's such a classic and it is, like I said, so easy to read. It's very simple language, um, but it's very powerful if you let it be and if you kind of take that perspective on it, whereas if you wanted to, you could read it as this very literal story of an old man going fishing, but even then, it's still a powerful, inspirational story, you know? And there's so much more to it than just that. There's like this divide amongst the fishermen in the village um, where like some of them rely on skill and dedication to nature and then they like have this very affectionate relationship with the ocean and they know that the ocean which they identify in the feminine is um, very beautiful, but she can also be very cruel. And Santiago is a part of this group, right? Where it's almost like a worship of the ocean and fishing and nature's cycle. And then there's also the, the opposing group where they're younger and more pragmatic and they disregard nature and they use motorized boats and fishing lines that are like cast out and they don't have to fish on a reel, you know, and it's very industrialized and very, very taken out of nature. And so that philosophical difference contributes as well because to to Santiago's everyman-ness, you know, to his applicability that's a tongue twister for me today. Probably shouldn't have had that tequila drink before I came on here to talk. Um, to its applicability. <laughs> because Santiago doesn't eschew these things because he doesn't care about, um, you know, doesn't care about money or doesn't care about success or anything like that. Because Santiago isn't a rich man. He is, he is impoverished. He muses about um, winning the lottery and being, you know, set up for life. He muses about the price that the Marlin could have brought at market. He muses about, you know, all of these things. He knows that he's poor. He keenly feels the sting of his economic circumstances, which... I feel you, Santiago, absolutely. But, and I so relate to this too, because he, the philosophical differences between the two helps underscore how, underscore how important it is to Santiago that living life in his way, like that is what's important to him. And these little things in life, like, the ocean spray on his face and, um, you know, having a, a little boy apprentice who absolutely adores him and the delicate taste of the fish, you know, all of these things. 
those are what give life meaning far more than having economic success, far more than all of these things. And it leads us to kind of more philosophizing on Santiago's part because, I mean, this opens up the door for how how deep of a character he is versus kind of how you could perceive him as just a crusty old fisherman, you know? But Santiago wonders why seabirds are so delicate um, when the open ocean is a cruel place to be, Um, which has, like, biblical undertones to it, actually. Um, Santiago wonders why people who don't work as hard as him are more successful than him, even though he does things very precisely he works very hard. He does all these things just the right way, which also has biblical undertones. He later um, kind of has this moment to himself where he eventually decides that all of these things are just a part of life, though, you know, He comes to this understanding that suffering is just, it's, it's universal. We're all going to suffer at some point and we just do what we're born to do in the nature of things. And that is also very biblical. That harkens back to the story of Job and his suffering. All of this rather does. And and brings us to this really beautiful conclusion for Santiago. But along with this, okay, and this is really cool to me. So along with this like philosophical difference between Santiago and nature and precision and hard work versus the young fishermen who don't work as hard and don't do things necessarily the right way, you know, those guys, um, they are very heavily associated with the scavenger sharks who come after the marlin that Santiago reels in. And Santiago, obviously, is the marlin. And so it's this very interesting thing where the the sharks these young fishermen who don't work very hard but make more money they'll prevail at least for a while um but they are still a part of the natural order that makes all creatures suffer and succeed in their own time but because of who those young men those young fishermen and the scavenger sharks are, they over time will sow the, they, they will create their own destruction. So they'll maybe live beyond their means or, you know, all of these things expecting scavenger sharks will go after that big fish, you know, thinking that that's the one I'll be fed for forever. And that big fish 
has an old man holding it against his boat and clubs the shit out of you, shark, because he wants the fish, not you. And, you know, you didn't see that coming. So they bring themselves to their own demise, um, but they don't realize it. And sometimes you don't realize it in the moment either. The Marlin or the Santiago doesn't realize that these people will still suffer in their own time because that's nature. But you just see them prevailing and you're like, oh. Um, but from all of this, at the story's end, Santiago's understanding of his experience and, you know, all of these. Manolin, we realize, now takes up the staff of becoming the, the person who carries with him this philosophy that will happen again in a new way um, because it's a very universal situation, suffering and success and suffering and suffering and suffering and suffering and success, especially in a nation like Cuba where this is taking place. So Manolin is certain to experience all of these things in his own time as well, you know, and in his own ways, especially if he maintains the philosophy of Santiago, the old man, and doesn't eschew the teachings that Manolin himself is essentially a disciple of and go the way of the pragmatic, young, industrious fisherman. All right, guys, I want to read to you before we go. I want to read to you something that I highlighted. So it's actually two different little lines uh, that I've highlighted at opposite ends of the book. I'm a big a fan of annotation, okay? I used to, like, think that writing in a book was literally the greatest mortal sin you could ever commit. Um, but then I went to college, and Transy was huge on writing in your book, and I just had to get used to it. And here we are. But, anyway. So, in my book, it's on page 40. Now is the time to think of only one thing, that which I was born for. I mean, that's it. Mic drop. <laughs> but then um, that echoes on page 110. Now is no time to think of what you do not have. Think of what you can do with what there is. I mean, what absolute gems. And I just think, I, I feel very um, called out, you know, because I think a lot about what I don't have. And I don't mean to do that. I certainly don't because I'm very grateful for everything that I have. But, you know, when life doesn't turn out exactly as you planned it, 
you kind of think about that a lot. <laughs> and I've, I try not to think too much about how things turned out differently than I thought they would. But now I'm realizing the importance of doing what I can with what I have and focusing on doing that which brings me just the utmost passion. And I think that doing what we're passionate about is really doing what we're born for. Because, you know, I've, I've gone through a lot of different iterations of this philosophy in my life. Um, but I think that we're put on this earth to, you know, make a, make a difference, right? And I always thought, and I always put all this pressure on myself that it had to be a big difference. It has to be like, you end global warming, you save someone's life, you stop a terrorist organization for me personally, you know, all of those things. But I'm coming to realize that the people who bring little joys to our lives every day, the people who create um, to help other people feel happier, the people, you know, all of these things, these are all essential jobs. They're all essential to creating this beautiful human experience that we all get to experience uh, just in different ways. But we're all so essential to it. Like, the only person I can think of that's not essential is a loser playing video games in his parents' basement. And even then, like, maybe he makes the company he bought the video game from happy you know what I'm saying it like feeds a roach or something I don't know there we're all important more or less so <laughs> I'm gonna go now but anyway my point in that tangent was that this book is really good and if you've not read it you should and if you haven't read it in a while you should read it again. That's going to be my project this week. Well, probably just like tomorrow because it's a quick read. But I'm so glad I shared this with you guys. Um, again, happy birthday, I've been thinking. I am so grateful to all of you who are, who are listening. I'm grateful to all of y'all who have been listening since the beginning. I just, I have no words. One year. Here's to many more. Y'all make sure that you follow along with the podcast um, at I've Been Thinking Pod on Instagram, I've Been Thinking Pod.com. Follow me at I've Been Elena on TikTok. I talk about the podcast on there sometimes. I also share some like art and personal stuff too, you know, here and there. And then um, 
yeah, follow or subscribe wherever you listen. And check us out on Patreon, too, if you're interested in supporting. Thank you guys so freaking much. I love you. Bye. Thank you.